0: My girl, Nadra Zabain, is on today. And as usual, guys, she doesn't freaking disappoint. Every time she comes on the show, she freaking blows me away with her words and her way of thinking. Now, if you don't know who Najwa is, my girl is one of the most amazing poets on the freaking planet. She comes from a place of utter beauty and yet heartbreak and she's very honest and open about the traumas that she's gone through through relationships um, and her evolution and how she has dealt in the past with transforming and heartbreak and getting over guys where she has felt like she has been manipulated and pushed around and so I had to have her back on today guys and like I said she doesn't freaking disappoint and today guys we go deep on how on earth we take these scars these wounds that we've been carrying with us for so long And how we actually are able to transform them into something that can actually motivate us and get us to get back up. And so with so much beautiful compassion and yet very tactical advice my girl nadra blows me away once again so without further ado i'm going to stop talking guys so that we can get right into this episode because damn this is a good one get your pen and paper because there are so many notes you can take on this one and then guys also before i forget please please if this episode brought you value please do share rate and review that is the one ask i have if this episode did bring you value all right guys now let's get to this episode with my girl nadra
1: I will not equate my worthiness of love or belonging or respect on how willing someone is to give me those things. Najwa,
0: welcome back to Women of Impact. I'm so happy to be here. I feel like it was yesterday that I was sitting here. Oh, my God. Honestly, it feels like that to me, too. (laughs) I freaking love our conversations. We go so deep and you are always so vulnerable and transparent. And so today, really where I want to go is talk about how many of us have been hurt and have scars and the scars really do leave us with, um, with emotional turmoil and emotional mm-hmm. baggage. And I have a quote of yours that I'd actually love to read out you need to transform the scars it left on you from constant reminders of the pain you went through to reminders of how far you've come. Yes. How do you start to do that if the scars are still painful?
1: If the scars are still painful, then they are still begging to be felt by you. They are still begging to be seen by you and not looked at through a lens of shame or judgment like... I shouldn't have gone through you. I shouldn't have experienced you. They want you to sit with them and speak to them and to yourself with the compassion you needed in that moment, with the compassion they needed in that moment. So when something continuously hurts, it's it's that kind of pain where fine throughout the day and then the nighttime starts to come and that pain starts creeping up and it's like it's this cycle of I'm fine and then I'm reminded and I wake up in the morning and I'm like today's a new day I'll be fine and then at night I'm reminded it's because I haven't fully given myself permission to say I am going to radically accept radically accept And by that, I don't mean I'm saying it's okay that it happened. I'm just saying it happened. I'm validating that it happened. Maybe I wasn't okay with it, but I understand that there is absolutely no way for me to go back and reverse it or change it. I accept that it happened. I accept that there was nothing different I could have done about it at the time. And I accept that it is my responsibility from that moment to now to come closer to myself in a way where i'm not blaming myself myself or judging myself for having gone through that so think of a scab if every night like with that pain that we're talking about every night you're picking at it and then the next day you just leave it alone and you give it some time to heal a little bit and then before it fully heals you're picking at Mm -hmm. it again that's what you're doing you're not fully looking at it and saying oh This actually needs some ointment. This needs a band-aid. This needs some form of, like, real healing, power, compassion, inner acceptance, whatever it is. I can do that, and then after a while, it'll stop hurting as much as it's hurting right now. But as long as I'm repeating the cycle, it just becomes even more painful, and the scar becomes even worse. You know that.
0: God, that's so true. Okay, so that is so profound. So now I really want to go deeper because as you know, if someone's listening right now, they're like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm not going to ignore my scars. I'm really going to acknowledge that it happened. That's super freaking powerful. How do you start doing that? How do you start to accept it without reliving the blame, reliving the shame, reliving the I wish I could have, would have, you know, should have? All of those things that often come with that reminder of what happened in the past. Because I think when we look at what are the things that hold people Mm -hmm. back from healing, I think it is that they feel like they're actually unearthing the the problem that happened before. Mm -hmm. But to your point, you actually can't heal until you do. So Mm -hmm. now it's like, how do you start to navigate those two things? Yeah, so really
1: what you wanna do is just bury it and forget about it and pretend like it never happened and you just hope it goes away. It's a decision. It starts with a decision to say, I want to heal from this. I know how much Mm -hmm. this hurts and I know that it broke me in a way that every single time I think back to it, it breaks me again. So every time I try to heal from it Mm -hmm. by going back to Mm -hmm. it, I just hurt even more. But you have to remind yourself that you can revisit that place And instead of having the mindset, like that place in the past when the event happened, instead of having the mindset that's like, oh, I should have done things differently, or I could have said this this way, or I should have been stronger, you are judging yourself. You are, this is you in the past, and you're coming as your present self. You're not sitting with this person. You're not understanding them or giving them the compassion they needed in that moment, which is, I know you're doing your best. I know that in this moment you don't think and don't believe that you have the power to do more. I know this. Mm. And then there's the self-forgiveness part that comes in where my present self is telling this past self of mine, you know, we need to forgive ourselves for not knowing any better back then. It's not like we're forgiving ourselves for choosing to inflict this pain on ourselves, people will hurt you. It's not your choice, but your choice is to say, I'm going to take this pain and not say that I deserved it because I didn't know any better and not say that I deserved it because I didn't protect myself any better. Give you an example. Say this painful event that you're talking about is a heartbreak. And every time your present self comes to your past self, it looks at this past self and says, Well, you should have, you missed all these red flags. You should have been more protective of yourself. You should have been like, you know, like you heard in this interview where someone was advising you to just always be strong and never show your cards and never really open up to this person. So you're basically telling your past self being vulnerable is wrong. Being open to connection is wrong. When what your past self needs to hear is wanting connection is the most basic human need we have. Good for you for giving it a try. That's amazing. The fact that someone didn't honor that, the fact that someone cheated on you, the fact that someone decided they no longer want to be with you. That doesn't mean your vulnerability is wrong. That just means that this person wasn't the right one for you. There is someone out there for you. So so take that dialogue from being full of shame and judgment and I should have, I could have to I understand. I get it. Be that best friend for yourself in that moment. So first, decide that you want to heal from this painful event. Second, Become the person you needed for yourself in that moment. So stop trying to bring your past Mm -hmm. self here. You need to go back to your past self and sit with her, with him, with them.
0: Oh, my God. That is so (laughs) powerful, so powerful because, A, the judgment piece. Oh, my God, how many of us do that, right? Look back and judge our past behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think the giving ourselves the grace that... We didn't know any different then. And to stop beating ourselves up over that, because I hear what you're saying is part of our, uh, that subconscious ma- messaging is now telling us you shouldn't have been vulnerable. You shouldn't have put yourself mm-hmm. out there, but actually you just did the best you could with the tools and experience that you currently have. And going back to where we started with the scars, as you were talking, it was like, you know how someone can say to you, you know, don't touch the stove cause it's hot. They can tell you, but to be honest, it's until you've actually touched it, yes. burnt yourself, got the scar to go, oh, mm-hmm. crap, that hurt. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll learn my lesson. I think it's very powerful to think through that the scar is actually the beautiful thing that has now taught you that lesson that you wouldn't have maybe known before. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. And sometimes, Lisa, we make
1: decisions feeling in the moment, like it's the wrong decision, but we still make it. So there are many people who tell me, but I I did know that I was making a mistake in the past. Like my gut was telling me just don't trust this person anymore. Don't move forward with this relationship. Don't take the next step in your relationship. But, but I did. And so, you know, how do I forgive myself for that? And I always remind the person think of what your intention was in the moment. Was your intention to be hurt, lied to, manipulated? Or was your intention to give someone another chance? Was your intention to see the best in another person? Was your intention to feel loved by this other person? That's beautiful and nothing to be judged for at all. And and we start judging ourselves and it's like, yeah, your mind knew better, but your life up to that point you operated through certain patterns of self-abandonment and self-betrayal and constantly seeing the best in others even when they've shown you the worst in themselves or you've been operating in a way where you don't know boundaries and you feel bad when you set a boundary or even think that maybe you have the right to set a boundary so You need to, like I said, you need to go back to your past self. Even if they knew better logically, you need to sit with them and understand why it is that they still went against what Mm. they knew. And that's going to teach you so much about
0: yourself and the work that you need to do. God, Okay, so in doing that, though, Mm -hmm. when you know better, building the 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 tools around you to then act because Mm -hmm. in everything that you're saying it's super powerful and there's that one part of it right is acknowledging understanding and recognizing Mm -hmm. but then there really is that other part that is like and now that you recognize how do you start to set yourself up for success and then also recognize that it's a process so -hmm. that Maybe in three months from now, if you end up slipping, you end up making, let's just say, an error or a a, a bad judgment call or Mm -hmm. something like that. How do you prevent yourself from then spiraling back into, oh, my God, see, I knew that I was this person. I told myself a year ago and now you feel like you're back at square one.
1: Yes. I think the number one thing is stop being hard on yourself and stop. Anticipating that the absolute worst will happen, where you will be presented with a decision or some kind of a scenario, and that you will make decisions based on your past. I think when we are hard on ourselves, we always worry about that. Like, yeah, maybe this time I got it right, but what if I don't get it right in two months? So, the most important thing when it comes to taking the knowledge to the doing part is understanding the disconnect. So I'm gonna give you an example. The period of my life that I went through when I became aware that I am a people pleaser, because before I used to say things like, no, that's just who I am, I'm just very nice, I don't like hurting people, I don't like it when someone's upset because of me, but it didn't matter if I didn't do anything wrong. I was more worried about how they felt about what I did, which had absolutely nothing to do with me, right? But if I sensed that someone was displeased Mm -hmm. with a decision I made for myself, I would go back on my decision so that that person wouldn't feel disappointed, um, ashamed of me, whatever it was, whatever that feeling or the treatment that they were giving me was so I tended to do that and then I internalized it as well I'm just that kind of person who doesn't like to upset anybody you know I just I want to be just kind to everybody and but once I became aware that that's actually a result of being a people pleaser I decided that I no longer wanted to be a people Mm -hmm. pleaser so logically I understood that If I made a decision for myself and say my mom or my dad or a relative of mine or someone I really love looked at me with, you know, I can't believe you would do something like this. Logically, I knew that that's on them. Like I made a decision for myself. So why do I have to carry the weight of what you're feeling as a result of that? Like I'm already dealing with how hard this decision is. But then as soon as I would feel that I disappointed one of them, I would just go back to that little child that's like, please continue to love me the way you did before. Please don't be disappointed by me. Please don't. And I would go back on my decision. And then two hours later, I would think, I just let myself down. I knew better. How could I have done that? And it's because my body has frozen and gone numb every single time I let someone down. My body has wanted to run away from me towards that person saying, please don't change the way you see me and the way you love me. So I can't expect my body that lived 27, 28 years in that way to just have a flip of a switch and be like, we're not doing that anymore mm-hmm. so now i've become like at that turning point where now the knowledge is there i've become a witness to my body so i'm if i'm sitting here and you're someone i really love and i'm telling you i made a decision for myself that i know is going to upset you and you just give me that look or You start, say, for example, you have a family gathering later and you don't invite me to it or you don't tell me about it. That little child inside of me that normally would run to you and beg you, now I'm seeing that little child and telling her, you deserve to be loved by this person. You deserve to be um, pushed to make decisions for yourself. You deserve to not feel like your belonging in someone else's life or your worthiness of belonging in someone else is based on you not being yourself. Mm -hmm. So now I start tending to that inner child of mine. I start tending to that, you know, the person who's lived a certain way for 28 years instead of looking for the relief from the outside by going against what I know. And then at the end of the day, I can say, This was a really hard day. It was exhausting because I am breaking my conditioning. I'm breaking my patterning. And that isn't as simple as knowing that I need to do it or knowing that it's there. You're becoming your own therapist. You're becoming your own place where you go to when you feel like the world around you is telling you, you being yourself is too much. It's wrong. You, you come back to yourself and, and validate for yourself that actually me being myself is my ultimate life purpose mm-hmm. and goal. And if I'm going to have to go against what my authenticity tells me, just to be in certain people's lives. I'd rather be alone for a while and then start building connections with people who welcome me as I am. But I'm not going to stay in this stuck place where I want to be authentic and I still want to surround myself with people who have this much space for my authenticity. I need people who have the whole world for my authenticity They are a safe space for me the way I've become a safe space for myself. So one of the other things I would advise any person who is aiming to go from knowing to actually doing and putting it into action is look at your environment and look at the people you're surrounding yourself with. Look at your supports, your resources, because that really affects how empowered you feel to move through healing So Think about it this way. You have 24 hours in a day. You go through a very triggering experience where, say, um, you tried setting a boundary and you were treated very passive-aggressively. You were treated in a way that just made you feel like this boundary that you set is wrong and therefore you are wrong and therefore you don't deserve my kindness. So imagine that the healing you're doing is breaking out of your um just your uh enmeshment with that mm-hmm. person. As in for anybody who doesn't know what enmeshment is, it's basically you get rid of boundaries. They just don't exist. Like like my if I'm enmeshed with you, the way you feel, I feel the same way. It bleeds into mm-hmm. me and vice versa. So if I'm trying to break from that And I'm putting myself in an environment where every single day when I try to set a boundary or try to speak up, I am being triggered back into my, like, please don't change the way you see me. And so I'm like taking a little step and Mm -hmm. then going back and taking a little step and going back and it's exhausting. So you need to remove yourself when you're ready from environments that constantly give you that trigger to go back, trigger to go back. You need to put yourself in environments where that doesn't happen, where it doesn't happen very often. Yes, you're going to go out into the world and try to set boundaries and people will be upset. But if your main primary environment that you're putting yourself in every single day is constantly testing you, (laughs) right? Your survival is to just, Okay, I don't want to upset you. I need peace. But I'm not at peace. I'm only at peace because I've managed you and your emotions. Right? And my answers are always so long.
0: <laughs> I love them because here's what's important. I don't just want this or any of the conversations to just be chat, right? It actually, yeah. if we're looking for real impact, yeah, going deep like that is so important because when I think about why do we as women really struggle with certain things, it's the nuances of something, right? It's not just like, oh, you know, ignore your scars and, you know, learn from them and move on. There's so much damn nuance. Mm-hmm. There's so much damn nuance. And I think that by blo- you know, like ignoring the nuances of what we're talking about isn't actually going to create change. So when I think about, okay, people understand this isn't working for me. I'm devastated. This mm-hmm. relationship or this situation isn't making me feel good. Why don't people change? Why don't people act? It's because there's a massive gap between knowing and doing. Yes. And it isn't out of lack of want or trying. I think it's lack of the the nuances that end up becoming the reason why people don't get themselves out of it. Yes. And so by you giving these little details go it's so damn powerful. That's so,
1: beautiful what you just said like about the what is actually missing between the knowledge and the application, mm-hmm. between the knowing and the doing. It's not a lack of will or like yes. you gave me goosebumps when you said that because the amount of advice I see online mm. or people who give these motivational talks where they say like, get up and do this. And, and I'm just like, well, a person isn't leaving a toxic relationship or a toxic family relationship or a toxic workplace because they don't want to. They really want to. Mm. They are struggling to understand why they haven't done it yet. And it's because their whole life survival, again, if your body lived through a certain patterning and conditioning for X number of years, it is not going to overnight break out of that patterning and conditioning. So a person needs to understand for themselves, why am I struggling with leaving this toxic place when I really want to leave and every day I'm complaining to my friends and my family and the people I love the most telling them like this place is really making me miserable and I'm paying this much money for meds to actually deal with this place and I'm paying this much money for activities that end up not making me feel any better. Like I'm numbing with so many things. A person who's stuck knows they're stuck. They don't need you to remind them that they're stuck. They need you to sit with them and try to bridge that gap between who they are now and what they know now and who they have been and what they've known and done Mm -hmm. throughout their years. It's not just I'm not looking at you in isolation right now because you're not in isolation right now. You're a compilation of all of your experiences. Six years ago, I was a completely different person than who I am today. A year ago, I was a completely different person than who I am today. And I grow through learning about all the imaginary cages I had around me. They really were imaginary, but I can say that now. But back then, they felt like real bars Mm. around me, like I can't step past this because if I do, I'll be in trouble. And so sometimes you look at a person... And you see them in this big space, but when they're looking around themselves, they see themselves in a little tiny cage that they can't move from, so a prison doesn't need you to tell them, "Oh, just just walk over here." Mm. They needed to go over there, sit beside them, and try to understand why are you so scared to step forward Why are you so scared to leave this confined space and that's when everything starts coming up I, I'm just I'm thinking about myself about six years ago when I first started writing and putting my writings out there. And I used to be very sheltered. I looked at family, culture and religion as they are just these big, bold red lines that have to be a certain way and you simply cannot cross them. And at the time, it wasn't even you simply cannot cross them because it was you can't even contemplate crossing them. Because if you do, then you are just such a bad person and you are someone who isn't worthy of belonging or you're just worthy of shame, Mm -hmm. like actual shame. Not just that I'm going to exclude you in some way, but I'm going to look at you and say, how dare you? do this or break this rule or whatever. And
0: just to add sorry, that if you do question it, you're shunned even more. Yes.
1: If do you do question me? it, yeah. you're just like uh, you're looked at as, well well, why would you ask that question? It's just that's just the way things are. Mm-hmm. That's just the way things are, which honestly, I want to start using that now with people like when they challenge me on my own decisions. Uh-huh. When you know when people tell you, well, you weren't like this before, like you're different now. And they
0: say it is an insult, right? Yes. Yeah,
1: like, oh, you weren't like that before. And for me in particular, when I get those words, it's usually an attempt to shame me and make me feel like the person I've become now is selfish and only thinks of herself and doesn't, again, going back to the enmeshment, I'm not worried about other people's feelings mm-hmm. based on the decisions I make for myself, which I look at that and I'm like, that's beautiful. I wish everybody could be that way. But now I should use that response that's just like, that's just the way things are now.
0: I love it. You know? So <laughs> I want everyone right now, guys, you gotta be writing this down. Yeah. That's genius. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, Having those go-to lines as well, because in that moment, right, they're trying to disrespect you. They're trying to push you down because you've now stood up for yourself, right? You're now saying, I'm no longer going to take X, Y and Z. Mm -hmm. This is the person I'm going to show up. It takes a lot of hard work to then show up to be that person. Yes. And it's a power play. That Mm. is it. Period. Right. Is that person trying to overpower you. And in that moment, how do you respond a lot of us, and me, myself, I start to stutter because I'm like, because it, now I start to get insecure, right? It starts to press the button. It starts mm-hmm. to make me feel like I'm that little Lisa again that couldn't stand up for herself, that couldn't again, speak the up. the way you lived for
1: so many years. Yeah. Yes.
0: And so having that go-to phrase is so damn genius. I love that. You need to trademark it. You need to keep posting that <laughs> quote on your page. That's the way things are right now. And you don't have to explain
1: why you changed or uh, why you don't care about their feelings about Mm. you and your decisions Mm. anymore. You don't need to explain that. You never had to. You thought you did. You never needed to seek permission from anyone uh, on how to be yourself or how to be authentic with yourself. But you were convinced if my authenticity and my connection to others if those two things are too close, and if my connection with someone is threatened when I'm authentic, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to not be authentic so I can have the connection. Oh. Right? So, so now that I understand my authenticity is more important than my connection with people who tell me, you cannot be yourself because that's too much, that's selfish, that's too um, out there and too unique and too whatever. Because that's really what they're trying mm-hmm. to tell you. So you can look at those people and say, you don't have to say it to their faces, but you can say it within. I no longer want this connection. Because the reason I was trying to get this connection in the in the first place is to get confirmation that my authentic self is okay, but it wasn't even my authentic self that you were accepting and loving. It was a show that I put on or just a broken version of me who's like trying to fit into a mold that isn't me. So I can choose that I no longer want this and I don't need to explain to you why I'm no longer seeking this connection with you.
0: I've never <laughs> heard of that combination of authenticity, really like butting heads with um, connection. That was so profound and so beautiful. It's really made me think about how do we start to make change? Having these little moments of like aha, uh-huh, where it's like, I get it now, now allows people who are watching or listening in those moments, don't be yourself up that you used to be the person that would always prioritize connection Mm -hmm. but now in those moments pause and ask yourself am I being authentic because if that becomes your north star because I'm such a fan of north stars right (laughs) like if, if my north star is authenticity now I'm comparing everything to my authenticity so now if connection bumps up against authenticity I've told myself my north star is to be authentic so now the connection may not be right which means that they may not be the right person Yes. That's so (laughs) holy smokes. Okay, and then one more thing that I wanted to add that you've spoken about that lines very much is about our worthiness. Mm -hmm. Is that we look to other people to be accepted so that we feel worthy. Mm -hmm. And I have a quote of yours that's so damn fire. You said you can't equate your worthiness based on if they stay or not. Mm -hmm. And you can't equate their
1: your worthiness based on their willingness to see your worthiness.
0: All right, let's talk about that. Yeah,
1: very, 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 very powerful to repeat that to yourself. I will not equate my worthiness of love or belonging or respect on how willing someone is to give me those things. You've heard this before. You've had friends say this to you before. Maybe if I say it in this way, they'll understand Mm. and they'll see me. Maybe if I, you know carry myself differently i can show them and prove to them who i am as a person with the right person for you and i'm not just talking about romantic relationships with the right people for you you will not have to prove anything you will just be yourself a friend of mine told me a story he was like, um, Stefan, I talk about him all the time. He's in my book, Welcome Home, because he just, he's incredible. So he told me a story that's like, um, you know, two people are having a conversation. One of them is carrying a glass of wine. And someone just kind of walks into this person who's carrying the glass of wine and um, says, oh, like, how come you spilt?" wine and the person says well it's because you um you bumped into me and the answer isn't because you bumped into me it's because that's what i'm carrying and i'm getting somewhere with this story so let's talk about abuse when someone just blows up on you and you ask them like how why would you speak to me that way and they tell you well it's because you pushed me no It's because that's who you are Mm -hmm. and that's how you speak. That's what you have on the inside. So it's not the reason that you spill anything on someone isn't that they bumped into you because that's what you have within you. Mm -hmm. And if you had good stuff within you, that's what's going to spill as well. Mm -hmm. So many people think, like, I just need to manage how I talk to this person so that they don't speak to me a certain way or they don't look at me as a bad person or as selfish or whatever but it's like that's not the problem the problem would exist with or without you that's what they see in people they look at people Mm -hmm. as selfish and manipulative and just because it could be because they're better than them it could be because they have a very cynical view of the world so the way that Someone is not willing to see you for who you are and your worthiness of love and respect and kindness. That's not because you're not showing yourself in the right way. That's because that's how they see you and the people around you. So the change doesn't happen. have to happen from you where you just exhaust yourself trying to convince them and make them see you know, she deserves love. She deserves respect, like I really respect her. No, they need to change the way that they see the world. They need to change the way that they see you. And sometimes a person will tell you after a relationship ended, a person who used to treat you really badly will look you in the eye and say, you are honestly the kindest person I've ever met. And and you'll be so confused and saying, you didn't tell me that when we were together. It's So it's not that they're not seeing. They're not willing to see. Mm. They know, but they are not willing to break their own way of thinking and seeing the world for you. So stop focusing on trying to change their willingness to see you for who you are and start just being who you are. The moment you find yourself, like this is your best indicator that you are working hard to prove your worth. The moment you start thinking, oh, I should do this differently just so that that person could see it that way. Mm -hmm. You are in a position where you are being made to prove your worth and you can make a choice. You can say, I know who I am and I know what I deserve. I am just going to be myself. I'm not going to do anything differently. Or you can decide to do what you know they want to, would impress them Mm. or they want to see. And then later you're going to look at yourself in the mirror and think, wow, I really changed something about myself just so that I could see that glow in in that Mm. person's eyes that tells me I'm impressed by you. And so... You might feel better based on that external validation you got, but you got that external validation after choosing to
0: internally abandon yourself, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that that validation piece is so powerful because to, yeah. going back to your glass analogy, a lot of us will go, OK, so I'll just make sure that the next time they walk in the room, next time they're rushing by, I'm going to step out of the way so that I didn't spill the yeah. glass. And now they don't have to apologize. So now you're thinking of them. Right. And yeah. now what you're doing is you're you are um, contorting yourself to work around their parameters versus saying what are my parameters and does that do does my relationship with them actually fit that so you have actually got a quote of yours that talks about this which is really about we give our power away so that Mm -hmm. we can feel that validation and in the real time we think oh no it's actually like we get validation out of it it's a dripping effect every Mm -hmm. day it's dripping on you Mm-hmm. that you're giving your power you're giving your power you're doing it for somebody else and then eventually it ends up making you powerless feeling like you're being mistreated and you don't know where to go with it um and I love your quote you say basically it's a decision you get to decide how much power over your healing you want to give the person who already hurt you
1: mm-hmm. so actually the last interview you and I had there was that really viral clip Where every single time I share it, it gets like millions of views. The one where I say, do you really need the person who hurt you to apologize to you? Do you really need the person who hurt you to validate for you that they hurt you? Do you need them to give you permission to start healing by saying, yes, I hurt you. Go ahead, start healing. You don't need it. You want it. Because you want that validation. Absolutely. It's a basic human need. But... You don't need it to move forward. Because who lived that pain? You did. So, why do you need the person who gave you that pain to say, Yes, I gave it to you? You need to, again, sit with yourself and say, How did that feel in that moment? How did that pain feel all those years? So bad and so painful, and it pushed me to do things and numb in ways that I. I don't see myself through. Therefore, instead of continuing to put my healing on hold and numbing through all these other things or even closing myself up to new connections just Mm. because of how painful this pain was, Mm. I'm going to say, I need to heal from the pain I'm carrying. They've already handed it to me. I just need to start healing from it. I need to start Like I said earlier, accepting it, Mm -hmm. not saying it was okay, but accepting it and accepting myself who was in that moment who received that pain and accepting myself from that moment on until this present moment with everything that I did to try to heal from it, whether it was good or bad, healthy or not healthy. I need to be the one who is there for myself When the pain started because someone else chose not to be there for me. I need to choose to not also abandon myself in addition to that person abandoning Mm. me. Because then I'm leaving this person somewhere in the past. And now I've dissociated from her. And this person who hurt her has also dissociated from her. And so she's just left alone. So what I need to do is go back to her with that pain that was given because she's still carrying it and I'm still carrying it, but I'm not doing anything about it. But it's just weighing me down because there's a part of me in the past, that old self of mine, who's just waiting for me to come back and get her and i'm not doing that because i'm like no i need to move forward and maybe when this person comes back and apologizes i will go back to that moment well that person is they've moved on they're living their life it is your responsibility to heal the wounds that were inflicted upon you whether they were by you or by someone else i wanted to say one thing about that last wine example that we were saying when you said well, then, you know, I have this mentality now when I walk into the room, I don't want to get close to this person so, so that I don't get them to spill anything. Well, how painful is it that that person is the person whose love you want the most, <laughs> but you know that getting that love is dependent on you not getting close to them? <laughs> There is no vulnerability involved because your vulnerability is not welcome your, your vulnerability is pushing that cup to spill and if that cup is abuse from the person who you love the most and you're blaming yourself for pushing them right so it's not just that you are trying to protect yourself by from from that spillage happening yeah. but you're also guarding yourself from real connection Mm -hmm. because you can't come near that person because that's the only thing that comes out of them. So I just, I want people listening to really reflect on how much energy it takes to keep someone's love Mm -hmm. or respect or kindness or just being at peace with you? Mm. How much energy is it costing you? And if the energy that it's costing you is staying at a distance from them, but always wanting to be close to them, but being so afraid of getting close because you know what the consequence is, that's not love. That's not respect. That's not kindness. That's not what you want to be around. You need to be around people who, even if you get close to them and you push them in a way where it's you know, you're not intending to do it, but they spill something, it's love. Mm.
0: It's, it feels good. It doesn't feel like a punishment. Mm -hmm. Wow. What's interesting is everything that we've just spoken about in these last like five or seven minutes is about validation. Mm -hmm. It's that we seek validation of in a relationship. We seek the validation when we've broken up from the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about it, it really is all about how do we start to build that validation within ourselves Mm -hmm. so that if I show up today and I say I'm going to read a book, I'm I'm going to read Nadra's poetry today mm-hmm. because I really want to like start connecting with my my soul. Cool. Mm-hmm. Get up that morning, read your poetry, and now you've got validation with yourself that mm-hmm. you said that you were going to do something that was going to help mm-hmm. and heal you. And now as you start to build that validation, you start to no longer look externally outside Mm -hmm. of yourself for it because you can give it to yourself. Absolutely. Yes. So I love that you just really hammered home the validation piece because I don't think we realize that that is a big thing of why we act the way we do because we get the the Mm -hmm. emotional satisfaction out of being validated. So that's a big part. It's like don't beat yourself up over the fact that you get emotionally validated. satisfaction out of that validation just recognize going back to the recognition yes. that it doesn't serve you doesn't serve mm-hmm. your relationships and that if you're able to then pivot start developing it within yourself then hopefully you actually start to improve your relationships yes. because you're not seeking it from them
1: because when you are able to give it to yourself then you're not dependent on others for it then it feels good when you get it from others but you're not just so desperate to get it from others Mm -hmm. because you're not able to give it to yourself and it is hard it is so hard to learn how to give yourself validation when you never knew how to do that and Mm -hmm. the probably the biggest reason we didn't know how to do that is we didn't even know that we had something about us that is unique and that deserves to shine and flourish on its own. We always saw ourselves as part of a puzzle, mm-hmm. just a little puzzle piece. And so as long as I can manage this person's emotions and this person's whatever and follow these rules, then I'm fine because I fit in here. Mm-hmm. But once you give yourself permission to to actually look at yourself and you know, your characteristics, your likes, your dislikes, your needs, your wants and all of that and tell yourself, I actually have the right to express those things and receive them. When you start thinking that way for yourself, that big puzzle might tell you, you no longer fit in here. Mm -hmm. And so that's when you become desperate because you're like, I just want to be part of something, you know, and so you go back, but you are not part of something the 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 parts of you that have adapted to that mm-hmm. something are part of something mm-hmm. and so when you make that decision to fully be yourself and you know embrace your edges <laughs> and your sides and who you are as a person then there's a process that comes after that where you will feel in certain moments like i i I just, I really need someone's love right now Mm -hmm. to feel someone's like validation, someone telling me they are proud of me. And it's so lonely to go through that and not get it. And I used to go through it. And the most life changing thing I started doing is when I would feel that way, like that desperation just to have someone's arms around me when no one was willing to put their arms around me, I would just close my eyes And put my arms around myself and just tell myself, like, you deserve this love that you are seeking right now. You deserve this validation that you are seeking right now. Just because no one is willing to give it to you, it doesn't mean that you need to change something about yourself so that they could be, oh, she deserves it now. Mm. No, just give it to yourself. Nothing is more powerful than giving yourself a hug. And it's not like you're going to live like this for the rest of your life, but it's going to help you remove from your life the people who put conditions on you being yourself mm-hmm. saying, my love is conditional on this, on you just hiding certain parts of, you, of yourself. You're not going to live like this forever. Just, just like we said earlier, this is how things are now. Here's your, your next phrase or sentence. Things are not going to be the same way for the rest of my life i'm going through a phase right now where i feel very lonely Mm. but i'm not going to put myself in positions where i feel
0: even more lonely just so that i'm not alone Mm. that is really strong um you know the 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 phrase this too shall pass is like one of it's just one of my (laughs) favorites it's such a soft beautiful way of reminding yourself you're not always gonna feel like that. And that's Mm -hmm. really the big thing about emotions is that in the moment, they feel so real. They feel so heightened, they feel so like life will never, like my life will feel always like this. It just sometimes can feel hopeless, especially when you're on your knees. And so reminding yourself that, hey, look, you got this. Like, you know, yeah. like, like, it's you, this too shall pass. And this isn't always going to be permanent. And just right now, when you are going through it, what are the things you're going to do in order to self-soothe so that you can get back up? Mm-hmm. And one of the things, actually, that I've heard you talk about that is so damn powerful, because I think a lot of us do this, where we self-soothe by going, it's not about you. It's not personal. Yeah. They did this because they're struggling. They mm-hmm. did this because they've had childhood, you know, problems. Talk to me about that. Because when I heard you <laughs> rebut this whole thing, I was like, go Like, yeah. So, t- talk to me about how you see this because it's so damn powerful. I've never had anyone talk like about when it like this. People say it could be worse. Right? right? Like, yes. be
1: grateful for what you have, yeah. or it, what they did to you, whatever it is, hurt. You know that it hurt. So you don't need someone else giving you advice, telling you, well, like, oh, that person hurt you? No, like, you're so much Mm. better than that. And you're just sitting there thinking, but it did hurt a lot. Like, I'm not sitting here needing somebody to speak to my ego and tell me you're so much bigger than this. I need someone to tell me that must have been so painful. Mm. That must have been so hard for you to go through. How can I help? How can I be there for you? Mm. So the worst thing you can do when you go through any kind of painful experience, the worst thing you can do for yourself is gaslight yourself out of your own pain. We always talk about people gaslighting us, but we gaslight ourselves all the time. And sometimes, and, I'm, and I want any person listening to this to know that I am saying this with the utmost compassion because I understand that many times we gaslight ourselves of feeling a certain pain because we know that if I feel this pain, then I know what I'm going to have to do and I'm not ready to do that. If I feel how painful these words that this person said to me were, I know I'm going to have to decide to leave, and I'm not ready to leave. So I would rather judge myself for accepting those words than judging myself for not leaving.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, that's really, like, a person who's going through a tough time who's thinking to themselves, oh, I'm just so used to this situation. I'm used to being treated this way. I'm used to this pain. I just brush it off. It doesn't affect me anymore. No, it affects you. But you're numbing yourself to it because you know... If you really saw it clearly and felt that pain, you know what you're going to have to do. And if you're not ready, not just emotionally, you could be not financially ready. You could be, uh, you could have no support system around you. You could have children that you're worried about. You could have so many things that would stop you from making this big, massive decision based on allowing yourself to feel how painful that pain was. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing that, you just tell yourself, it's just another day. You know, I've put up with this 200 times. I could just do it again, you know? So be compassionate with yourself instead of saying, "I'm, I'm bigger than this pain. You know, I'm not going to let someone hurt me this way.
0: Just say it hurts. There's nothing wrong with that. That gaslighting piece is so strong. Um, And I'd love to actually go over a couple of phrases because this is also something that where people are just like, oh, my God, I do that to myself. People don't realize. Right. Like, same with me. It's like sometimes you don't realize your own habits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, also like so when you're justifying, let's Mm -hmm. say, right. It's like, oh, well, they've got a bad day. They're going through a bad Mm -hmm. period in their life things like that where you're making reasons and excuses exactly what you're saying, what other things have you even maybe even said to yourself where you're like, now you can recognize, oh, that was a massive sign that I was gaslighting myself. So anytime I
1: find myself putting someone else's reality ahead of mine, I know I'm gaslighting myself. And I learned this in therapy and it's so powerful. When I step out of my story to be in yours, that's where I draw the red line. I need to come back to my story. So I can see your story. I can see the excuses. I can see your upbringing. I can see what would have pushed you to do or say something. But I don't need to leave myself and my story and my upbringing and my intentions and what I did and what I said just so that we can just live in your story. I need to stay in mine. And that's where that boundary needs to be drawn. Yes, I can understand. You reacted that way because you were abused when you were a child. I can understand that. But I'm not going to tell you that you hurting me is okay Mm. just because I want to live in that excuse. That is wrong and this is wrong. Those two things can be wrong. But just because you don't want to deal with that pain and dissect it and heal from it and put it behind you, and instead of actually doing that, you are spilling your pain on me. So instead of me giving you that, no, you need to go heal that pain because I, don't, I also don't deserve that pain to be spilled on me, you know? I've done this with friends, I've done this with partners, I've done this with family where I just got to a point where it's honestly, Lisa, it's one of those like times where, you know, when you just you sit there and you're staring into space and you just lose track of everything around you and you're just having a moment of clarity where you look back at a certain memory where you were spoken to a certain way and then later like everybody excused it by saying well that's just how he is Mm. you know and everybody just kind of not kind of but everybody adapts to that one person's how they are you know and you're just sitting there thinking back to that moment and you think wow like that the way he spoke to me was so wrong and so but I in that moment I didn't even give myself the right to be hurt because everybody said well that's just how he is so live with it right I didn't give myself the right to be hurt exactly because no one else around me gave me the right to be hurt it was just well he did again don't take it personally that's just who he is he's always been like that just adapt with it and live with it But can you imagine if I, in that moment, just spoke up and said, you shouldn't have spoken to me in that way. This is where the compassion piece needs to come in for anybody listening. Because in that moment, it wouldn't have been safe for me to speak up and Mm -hmm. say, that was wrong of you to do that. Because that person would have escalated and you don't know what he would have done. Right? Mm -hmm. So you need to again when you go back to your past self who was sitting there and didn't give themselves permission to heal the pain and was just in protection mode like at least it wasn't worse you know you remind yourself i didn't do that because i was weak i was i did that because i was protecting myself from something worse but when you get that moment of clarity where you're like that hurt and you start feeling what it feels like in your body to be told something that's like not you and you start feeling the tension and like you really just want to fight for yourself Mm. that's you releasing pain that's you releasing trauma that's how you heal because you've allowed this is another thing i learned in therapy and i think i don't think i've ever heard anybody on your show talk about this but when you have a certain trauma response trapped in your body in a moment like that, where you just didn't give yourself the right to feel the pain because you were in protection mode, that response gets trapped in your body. And so later, when you think back to that time and feel it in your body, you're allowing your body to finish the cycle of trauma and release it Mm. instead of being stuck there. And then every time someone speaks to you that way, you go into that protection. Once you release it, now you're able to do differently when someone else speaks to you that way. You don't get stuck in that protective role. Mm. You say, that was wrong, and I'm leaving. I'm not keeping myself in this environment. So for any person who is now realizing they've been gaslighting themselves out of their own pain for so long, again, the answer is, don't sit there and say, oh, how could I have done this to myself? Like, I'm the one who let myself down. No, many people let you down. Yes, you abandoned yourself, but you were doing it to protect yourself. Stop taking away from how painful the pain they threw your way was by saying, Well, if I just protected myself better. Right? Mm-hmm. yeah. Just be compassionate
0: with yourself. You were doing the best you could. God that is so beautiful. And as we start to talk about how we start to get back up, how we mm-hmm. really start to heal old past wounds, things that we've gone through, I've heard you talk about emotional debt. Yes. Um, <laughs> because all of this you keep saying, right, make sure that you you know, you know, validate your mm-hmm. emotions, you go back and you step back into your story. We should never yes. dismiss what we're doing. But there's also the other side of it where we've accumulated so much emotional debt that we start to react in um, ways that may not actually align with, how we truly feel, but it's Mm -hmm. all based on the debt that we've had in the past. Mm -hmm. The simplest example I can give you is with resentment.
1: When you have so much resentment towards someone and the littlest thing that they do, you just pick on them for Mm -hmm. it. It's not because of that little thing that they did. It's because they've done this and this and this and this and it went unresolved over time. And now that you're bringing up this little tiny issue which to you is sitting on top of all of these unresolved issues it might come across to the world around you as where is that coming from Mm -hmm. like you are really overreacting but it's because past issues and resentments were not resolved and so again the reason we accumulate them over time is we're trying to protect ourselves the person that we're experiencing this with doesn't want to resolve anything and we would rather keep our relationship with them than have this issue be just something that we bring up every single day like i've like so i've done this for example with a friend of mine where she had a certain habit of really getting upset with me every time i didn't answer the phone and it wasn't that I wasn't answering the phone because I didn't want to, which would have been a completely fine, yeah. right? <laughs> but again, I'm, I'm going back to my people-pleasing days. Mm. And she would become very passive-aggressive with me in our next interactions when, you know, a couple days went by when I didn't answer her call. Mm. Keep in mind, I was working full-time, writing full-time, in school full-time. So I had a lot going on. So, and my priorities in my life, yes, my friends are important. But for me, family, work, school, like the things I immediately need to do for myself, those are way more important than being there at a person's demand. So... And, and sh- she never really confronted me about it, but she would make passive-aggressive comments about it, and then finally she confronted me about it, and I was so shocked. Like, and the way she spoke to me, that was the shocking part. The way she spoke to me made me feel like I was a bad person, like I was intentionally letting my friend down, like I was intentionally trying to hurt her, and none of that was true. And it's because many experiences had gone by where she she was not bringing things up she was being passive aggressive and then I was accumulating my own things because Mm. I couldn't just say to her like hey like you've been really passive aggressive because I was also afraid of that confrontation so we're both carrying that emotional debt that's not really dealt with and then You know, because one time I didn't answer her call or didn't answer a text or didn't leave an emoji at the end of my text. She just blew up. Mm -hmm. But she wasn't just blowing up because of that. And then same thing with me. When she spoke to me that way, I had also accumulated all these times that were unresolved that she was being really passive aggressive with me over text or calls or just would make like comments that were intended to make me feel like I only think of myself mm. and I would just look at them and think what is up with her you know so that's a simple example where you can look at other experiences in your life that aren't as simple that could have to do with family or with a relationship that you're in where Over time, you've just allowed a series of events and experiences to go unresolved, either because you were afraid of bringing them up Mm. or because the person that you were trying to resolve them with wasn't willing to resolve them. And you chose being with them over the resolution, right? And over time, that accumulates. Mm. And then you just... You only have so much that you can carry. Let's say this is how much you can carry. You get to the top of that one little tiny thing that happens and it just all blows up. And it's not pretty. It doesn't mean that like, oh, now that it blew up, then I don't have to deal with all of this. No, now you have to deal with all of this. Because let's say one of those experiences was being spoken to with unkind words. And then another one of those experiences was being told that something that happened didn't actually happen. So gaslighting. Let's say another one of those experiences was this person, for example, telling you, um, why would you ask that question to someone? And... In that moment, you may have taken a step back thinking, I want to keep the peace with this person that I'm with, so maybe I should just not ask these questions. But then later, when you go back to it in your mind, you think, wait a minute, what, what was so wrong about that? But then you don't get it resolved, right? Then there's another one, another one, another one. And then one day, that person, you're walking out the door, and they tell you, um, that color, like, why, why would you choose something like that? And then you'll look at them and just start screaming. Mm. And it's because of all of this, not because of... Why would you wear green today? Right. Right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's the iceberg, right? Mm -hmm. It's the thing that you see on top versus everything that's underneath. And as you were talking, it's interesting because there's really two elements to this, right? It's your own emotional debt that you bring Mm -hmm. to the table. And then it's the other person's emotional debt that they bring to the table. Mm -hmm. So it's easier for me personally, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, to identify someone else's emotional debt. Mm -hmm. So when someone acts completely either out of character or irrational... I try and I used to be like oh my god it's all about me I don't anymore in my mm-hmm. own growth now I almost the thing that I do is because I love filmmaking I always kind of relate it to that so I'm like okay imagine I was writing a screenplay and all of a sudden this person acts like they're acting what would have to be true for them to be so crazily mad <laughs> angry whatever yeah. over me saying hey do you mind moving your shoes right like once I start going what would what would have to be true in the screenplay it's exactly what you said. It's all the stuff that's actually happened before this page. It's all the problems that they've had leading up to this one moment. That actually is easier for me Mm -hmm. versus my own acknowledgement that I've got the emotional debt because, again, feelings feel very real. Mm -hmm. So in that moment where you really are bloody upset because someone said they didn't like you in green, like it feels really real. Yeah. How do you start to acknowledge, oh, okay, this is emotional debt right now, the way that I'm responding, and then what are those steps that you can start to Um, calm down, if you will, Mm -hmm. and then potentially next time, start paying off the debt. Yes.
1: (laughs) As you were saying, like when two people come together and they have their own emotional debts, I'm like, can people sign prenups for that? (laughs) 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 Just say like, whatever you had in the past, you keep. (laughs)
0: Love it.
1: (laughs) Right? So for me, the number one thing is awareness, right? The decision to become aware that, maybe you're not always right. Like maybe the way you're reacting emotionally to something is valid to you. But it could be an, you know, an overreach in a certain moment based on what somebody else said, like it could really not be their intention at all, what you experienced internally. So when you go through enough of that in your life and the people who carry a lot of emotional debt that's unresolved, they know that they have a lot going on. And mm-hmm. you'll know because you'll see them go crazy over something that you just think to yourself, that was it was literally just a mug like, <laughs> that was put this way. But it, you think it should have been put this way that. Yeah. So as an outsider, you see that. But they also know that. But it's telling yourself maybe there's something about me that needs to change so that I'm not constantly reacting to the world around me. Maybe there's something about me that needs to change where I don't start trying to control the littlest tiniest things because I'm sitting on a time bomb of unresolved things, right? So, for me where that process began was because I am a I'm an empath and I carry people's emotions. You're like me. And if someone looks at me a way that they hadn't looked at me before, I'll notice it. If somebody changed the inflection in their voice, I'll notice it mm-hmm. and I'll immediately think, oh, they don't like me anymore or they're feeling a certain way. Or, they're, and I would carry so much of that. And in turn, I would try to like reverse it in some way or make up for it so that I don't see that anymore or hear that anymore. And so for me, once I became aware that so much of what I do is a reflection of the world around me. I made the conscious decision to stop being a reflection of the world around me and start being myself and seeing how the world around me changes or shifts. So now I'm not reacting because a reaction is very immediate. Now I'm responding. So now I'm, You tell me something, right? And I take some time to think about it before I say what I'm going to say. So the time that I take will include that initial reaction that could be, how could you say something like this to me? How could you, knowing everything I've been through, how could you... You might know that I'm sensitive to being excluded. I'm very sensitive to being excluded. And say today I came over and let's say there were four other people around here and you gave them all a gift and gave me a slightly different gift. So old me would have immediately thought, so she doesn't think I deserve a gift like, like they do. And, and I would go back to my childhood experiences where with my cousins, their parents would get them the best of the best and then they would give me whatever was left over. And you were living with them at a time. Yes, and I was living with them at the time and and, uh, and that really hurt. That really shaped for me the belief that I don't deserve to be prioritized, that I get leftovers, that I, leftovers as in whatever everybody else doesn't want or doesn't, everybody else doesn't see as cool. Mm -hmm. Um, even if it was clothes that didn't fit me, I will get whatever's left over. So now as an adult, if I haven't dealt with that, you exclude me in the slightest bit and my initial reaction is going to be, you know, she, she doesn't think I deserve a gift like them. And I go back to that little child and then I might treat you differently as a result of that. When really it could have been that you didn't know I was coming until two days ago and you bought those four other gifts months ago and... So
0: or I bought you a special gift because I see, knew you actually wouldn't like what I, I got everyone else of that. and now I'm doing something <laughs> especially for you because I'm thinking of you. Yes. A very hypothetical situation that we made very <laughs> <laughs> But it is right. It's those little things. Yeah. yeah. You can derail us girl it like yes. it takes us from going oh my god Lisa was so kind and thought of getting this very special gift yes. for me to then the interpretation being wow yeah. I can't believe she doesn't like me she doesn't care mm-hmm. about me she doesn't value me as much as she does the other people yes. it's fucking night and day but this is exactly it. this is exactly what and sorry I'm swearing a lot this is I like okay. very aggressive way this is these are the moments that as women we start to get inwards we start to then develop a mindset that then doesn't serve us or empower yes absolutely so what can i do as somebody who's
1: carrying Mm -hmm, all of that emotional mm -hmm. debt for years i can start going back to that young me story by story and sit with her and tell her that was wrong that shouldn't have happened i was telling my therapist a story last week i might cry when i tell this Mm -hmm. um because she asked me she's like what are you gonna do for yourself this week And I said, you know what? Maybe I'll buy myself a bike. And she started clapping. And she's like, I can't wait for the day that you tell me that you did. And it's because of this story. So when I was younger and I was staying with my cousins, um, it was during the summertime. And even when I wasn't staying with them full-time, I was spending so much time there. Like We were like brothers and sisters. and, And my mom was always there. and So they all got bikes. Like, one day my uncle came, and he had bought them all bikes, and I didn't get one. And I didn't, you know, as a child who was forced to mature mentally and emotionally very young, and just look at myself as an adult who understands, like, you know, not everybody gets everything. Like, I was to think that way when I was so young Mm. as like a mature adult who can't say no I want toys and I want this and I want that so I remember being very sad but also thinking that's just how it is and then later a few days later um, my cousin was like oh you can you can ride on my bike if you want like fine so I went I sat on it and I, I had never been on a bike no one taught me and so I fell and they all started laughing at me. And I've never been on a bike since that day, because of how, like, it was, and it was also the accumulation of all those experiences of feeling like I don't deserve those things. And then even if I do, I'm going to be made fun of, or, and so I just, I didn't. And so now, if I didn't try to resolve those things, and do the things for myself that I wish the adults around me did when I was younger. If I don't do that for myself, mm-hmm. I'm gonna continue looking at every person who doesn't include me. And and it's not like it's wrong to not be included. As an adult, you can get your own things. You don't need, you know, to constantly have someone just say, I'm gonna include you in this, and If I don't go back to those earlier stories and resolve them and give myself at that time what she needed and change those beliefs for her from you don't deserve good things to you do deserve good things. You don't deserve unconditional love to you do deserve unconditional love from you deserve to be with someone who prioritizes you and your heart and Mm -hmm. your soul and your emotional well-being. I have to change that for myself. No one can change it for me. A relationship might change it for me by showing me, like if this person is giving me all the things that I needed, but a person can spill love and shower you with gifts and prioritize you all the time. If you don't believe that about yourself, it doesn't change you at your core, And as soon as that person is gone, you'll go back to being that person who didn't think she deserved any of those things. So, yeah, that's that's one of the ways I'm meeting my own needs. That's one of the ways I'm resolving my own emotional debt that I accumulated for no fault of my own. Mm -hmm. Like you, you started accumulating those things as far back as you can remember and yes, I know you want that parent of yours or that aunt or uncle to come or cousins to come and tell you, we shouldn't have done that. But you don't get it all the time. You need to give it to yourself. You don't, you don't need them to tell you, yeah, I knew I should have gotten you a bike too. You don't need them to tell you that. You know that. You just, so you have to let go of your need to get their validation that what happened in the past was wrong and event by event you start taking that emotional debt that's like way up here and then what you're doing is you're creating space for new love and positivity and connection and and you then you start walking around on a base of that instead of on a base of all this emotional debt that's just it's waiting
0: to explode I love it so much. Oh, my God. So, because everything we talk really come full circle when you think about the validation and the worth piece, right? Mm-hmm. Because you even said, like, I could wait for someone else to buy me a bike, but now you're doing the same thing. You're waiting to be validated yes. by somebody else. You're waiting for someone yeah. else to say, oh, you're worthy of a bike now. You weren't at nine, but now as yeah. an adult, you've paid your dues. Yes. But in just taking the action, in not waiting, there is, I'm going to be honest, I assume there is... A little bit of sadness to it. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the natural um, course of nature when it comes to emotions. So just embracing. It's a little. Yes, I do wish actually someone had actually just bought me the bike. But the fact that I recognize I can't wait for it because now I'm repeating the cycle that I did as a child. Mm -hmm. And now to your point of now you're starting to pay the emotional debt. You're starting to get out of it by unwiring these thoughts and these emotional debts that you have been stuck in in the past.
1: Yes, and it's not just about the bike, like you could see a scene like this in a movie where it could really hit you differently if you just add the sad music in
0: the yeah, background, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> slow motion, yeah, Punch punching. Yes,
1: <laughs> because someone might listen to a story where, you know, a little girl was with her cousins Ooh. and their parents bought them bikes and she didn't get one. And that person might think, well, yeah, that's fine. Like they might not see it as. But the way it impacted me at that time and. Lisa, I can remember the exact spot I fell off that bike and where they were laughing at me. The impact it left me with is not for anybody else to say, oh, that was really sad. How did you go? It's for me to validate for myself how awful that was and decide to do something about it where... Again, it's not about getting myself a bike. It's about meeting my need in that moment and telling myself the words I wish I heard at that time, which are, You are as important Mm. as them. Therefore, I will get you a bike just like I got them. That was it. Yeah. It's the importance part, the prioritization. And. I would have loved it if somebody in my adult years got me a bike. But it's going to
0: be so much more beautiful that I'm doing that for myself, right? And what I absolutely love about this story is it gives very uh, people listening right now and watching very concrete steps. It really is. Guys, what is that need that you used to have as a child? Mm-hmm. identify acknowledge it. You've seen multiple times in this interview, yes. right? Acknowledge that need. And now start to think, how can you start to slowly... It's never going to happen overnight. It mm-hmm. may take a year, it may take five years. Don't be yourself up but it's going to take a long time, right? Yes. Just know, I've acknowledged it, and now I care about myself so much going back to priorities right i prioritize Mm -hmm. myself now to now recognize i need to be giving myself this need and then identify how you do that over time and it can be anything from a bike right that is very like i can pay for this and buy it because i've saved up or just from an emotional need where you're like i don't feel good enough to go to x y and z okay well Mm -hmm. how do you start to feel good enough okay well it takes this one little stepping stone waking up in the morning prioritizing you Mm -hmm. instead of somebody else like it takes these little Stepping stones, but it all starts with how you so eloquently put it is what was that need you had as a child? Yes. And then go from
1: there. And that's when it, what's going to take you, this comes full circle, to going from knowing to doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: By giving yourself permission to understand that the reason you haven't started acting on what you know is that for X number of years, going back to all those stories you weren't acting based on this mm-hmm. knowledge and so this these experiences have the right to be validated by you and acknowledged by you as they are the reason that you came to this knowledge in the first place like they are the reason that you had to come to a place where you have acquired all this knowledge on what you need to Mm -hmm. change in your life. So you're not going to look at all those experiences and say, that was bad, I'm just never going to go back to it. No, that was bad, but why? What did it feel like in your body? What message did it tell you about yourself? Because you need to change those things. If I had continued operating as the girl who believed she only deserved leftovers, when my knowledge tells me you deserve so much more, but I'm continuing to act this way without going back to understand, oh, in this moment, I felt this way because an adult in my life made the wrong decision. There you go. There's a light bulb moment for me that's going to help me work on the knowledge that I now have.
0: Oh, my God. So true. So good. (laughs) And then that final piece that I really want to hammer home in you saying I'm going to buy a bike for myself (laughs) is is the last piece to the puzzle that not only says, hey, I'm going to fill in my own needs that I want. But there is that part of like we are so as people pleasers, we're so inclined to do things for other people. And I heard you even say a story. You saw something for your nephew or something, and you were like, oh, my God, of course I'll buy this. Yeah. You didn't look at the price. You didn't look at the... right. like It was just like, of course. I knew how it would make him feel, and it was a no-brainer but we never do that for ourselves. Mm-hmm. When it's something that we want, we um we are uh, we justify maybe we shouldn't do Sometimes it. Sometimes it's literally
1: a $5 thing yeah. and I'm like, do I really need it? But if it's for
0: someone I love, it's like a $1000 and I don't even think about it. Just yeah. Yes, and what I so love about you saying I'm going to buy the bike for myself is now Also pivoting that part of us that will absolutely show up for other people but not ourselves. This last piece of the puzzle is I'm going to fill in my own needs and I'm going to show up for myself first. I'm going to spend the money on myself I never used to. Mm -hmm. That idea is now um, really solidifying within you that I'm freaking worthy, that I show up for myself. And, girl, that is so damn powerful. So when you get in the bike.
1: I, I'm i going to get, I'm get bike, it this Nashville. week. I'm going to go bike shopping. And even if I buy it and just even if it sits there for Doesn't a year matter. before I sit on it for the first time and decide to teach myself, it's going to change something inside of me. And I just know it because meeting my own needs has been uh, riddled with feeling selfish and feeling like... I'm someone who's ungrateful for everything good that has gone on in my life. And, and, and like, why, like, are you just whining about your childhood? Are you just stop making that your life story? Like you get that kind of messaging when you start speaking up for yourself Mm -hmm. and then you just have to recognize that that's a continuation of the pattern you fell into in the past and Yes, Lisa, I'm going to meet my needs for a certain period of time, but it doesn't mean that for the rest of my life, there will be no person who is going to look at a story like that and say, let's go bike shopping. Mm. Like you're going to get that, but don't depend on someone else to meet your needs. Once you get to a point where you can meet those needs for yourself and not be so desperate for someone else to meet them for you. Then the only people who will walk into your life who will stay in your life are those who aren't threatened by your ability to self-fulfill. And they will just add instead of chipping away at you by making you dependent on them for love and for all of these things. Like don't go back to that pattern in your adulthood that started in your childhood just because that's what feels safe in your body. And I want to say a really powerful thing, sometimes what feels safe in your body, as in what doesn't make your body just want this, just this whole thing to go away, like kind of like when you do whatever it takes to keep the peace with someone, that might feel like safety, because you've protected yourself from something, that definition of safety goes against the definition of safety that now as an adult you need to be going for. You're not going for safety that's in opposition to something you need to protect yourself from. You're going for safety that's open. You walk towards something or someone and you feel safe being yourself instead of feeling safe when you close up. Like, you need to break that.
0: That's such a mic drop. We're going to have to do a round two because whole... Lee Smokes. (laughs) That was so beautiful. Guys, thank you. In fact, before we get to where people can find you, we're going to do a round two. Click that notification button right now to be the first (laughs) to watch our freaking round two because we've got to go deep in that. So until then, where can people find you and everything you're doing? They can find me on every platform for social media.
1: It's just at Nejwa Zabian and my books. All four
0: or five of them are available wherever books are sold. If you want to hear more about how to stop self-sabotaging, then check out this clip right here from my girl, Nicole Lepera. Our minds seek the familiar. Repeating the same behaviors is called a pattern, which comes from childhood conditioning. We repeat what we know. So I kind of want to just start from the beginning. If that is true, how do we start to identify what patterns we have developed from childhood that are not serving us?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I actually got chills (laughs) hearing you reread that just because of how powerful that just statement is. And then I think when I answer the question, experiencing that statement is incredibly powerful. So what do I mean by that? Observing. Observing yourself. So I can sit here and say, you know, we're patterned. We repeat everything from our lifestyle habits, you know, the things we do first thing in the morning, how we go about our day. Um, I could tell you, you repeat thoughts that we get very repetitive. Um, We tend to tell ourselves the same narrative in our head, most of us, all day long. A lot of us now are really familiar with the phenomenon of thoughts producing emotional reactions in the body. I think most of us, I know myself, I've sat on a couch, had an anxiety-provoking thought, you know, worried about something happening, typically something not positive happening. And I, myself at least, have thrown my body into a complete reaction. I would start to feel panicked. So a lot of us are repeating the same emotional experiences too. And the way we identify that is we watch ourselves, observe yourself, The large majority of us are in autopilot all day long. We wake up and we don't really consider the choices that we're making through the day. That part of our brain, those of you who are familiar with my work probably hear me go on and on about the subconscious, that's where those patterns are stored. So when we wake up, pay attention to how many choices you're making for yourself that day, or is your autopilot determining your day to day? And chances are you are conditioned. You are repeating those same patterns even if you intend to do differently.
0: Okay, that's amazing. So, how do you do that without judgment? And then, how do you do you know the David Foster Wallace quote, um, be like water? My audience are probably sick of hearing this from me, but it's the story where there's an older fish swimming one way, there's two younger fish swimming the other. The older fish goes, well, How's it going, boys? How's the water? Yeah, the other small fish keep going. One of them turns around and is like, What the hell is water? And the point being is that when you're in an environment, Mm -hmm. day in, day out Mm -hmm. from birth, you don't even know it exists. So knowing, let's say, these thought patterns and these assessments that you're making have started from the beginning. How do you actually identify, in fact, even that it's a pattern and not just matter of fact? Um, And then how do you do that without judgment?
2: Yeah, the judgment part, I think, is the piece, Lisa, that we all struggle with. Um, I kind of universally speak of a critical voice in our head, because I quite literally think quite universally, we all have that. We all sit in judgment of ourselves. I'm better than you. I'm worse than you. Good, bad. All of those words come from that ego space. So it's a skill. It's a practice. And. going to be difficult if you especially if you know you're someone with that inner critical voice you probably your habit is going to be to sit in judgment so i just like to voice these things because i know a lot of us can become very self-judgmental when it doesn't come naturally to us or when we do see those judgments being cast so we want to practice just viewing them as they are. And I talk about the childhood and the wounding and the effect of conditioning because I think a lot of us do judge ourselves. Mm -hmm. A lot of us have maybe been through a lot of therapy, have been through a lot of self-help, might even consider ourselves really insightful. We might essentially know better, but yet we can't execute the choices to quote unquote do better, if you will. Um, And then we start to assign judgments on ourselves. I'm broken, I'm not meant to change, I can't get better, this isn't the life meant for me, and really the list goes on. So learning, I think, how to shift that, um, learning how to just view things objectively as they are and understanding if you are someone who's stuck in that conditioning, that it's not actually a sign of something being wrong with you. It's a sign that your subconscious is functioning as all of ours do to keep you safe, to keep you in that familiar place.
0: All right, so let's do a real world example Um, because you're 100% right. There's a massive difference between knowing something and then doing something. We can know all the information, but doing it, our emotions get involved, right? The judgment gets involved and it just stops us. So you're a psychologist, you know exactly how to work your mind, you know the tips and tools, you're still obviously evolving. And so how do you then, let's say, Nicole wakes up in the morning and goes, okay, this is tough, the situation of the world. I know what to do. Um, I don't want to place judgment on it because I know that doesn't serve me, and but I'm still not feeling it. Like, actually te- take me through those steps of what it looks like. Nicole opens her
2: eyes, has the negative thought, and what? Yeah, absolutely. So this question isn't going to – I want to make some room for – individual discernment, Thank you. because I'm never going to say universally, you know, work through it. The, the language I often use, you know, what, what I define, the thoughts of not to do something or the feelings, you know, that come up when I go against my familiar. Mm-hmm. When I try to activate in a new direction or make a new choice, a lot of us do get that endless litany of reasons why not to do this new thing. Some of us might feel uncomfortable actually in our bodies. We might just not feel like ourselves as we're making these new choices. Mm. Those I call resistances. And again, they're the messengers from that subconscious that should we choose to listen to those resistances before we know it, we are back in that familiar rut. Mm. That's how it keeps us safe. Mm. You will never hear me universally say, ignore the resistance and do it anyway, because I don't think that universally applies to every situation. So I'll use myself as a prime example. I wake up and there's a difference between mornings where I just like it is that old resistance. I just kind of like don't feel like it, though I can activate and make the choice against that otherwise. And then there are different mornings where my body doesn't feel like it. I'm emotionally exhausted. Mm. In those circumstances, I do urge the individual to honor their intuition or their inner knowing, the part of their body that's saying, you know what, that new choice isn't for me today. I'm actually going to surrender into maybe what my body needs today. And it's not getting up at 5 a.m. and going to the gym. Maybe this morning I do something different. Mm. That's the end product goal, though, is to get so in touch with ourselves to learn often, as I still do myself through trial and error, to learn what my body and my emotional and my energy signals are, to know and be able to differentiate whether or not it is that resistance And this is a moment where if I actualize this new choice, right, I can keep myself moving in that future self-direction. Or if this is a moment where, you know what, I'm going to honor my body or my emotions right now and make the choice that my need is telling me in that moment.
0: And how do you then make that distinction specifically? What does that look
2: like? Yeah, absolutely. And that comes after doing the work for some time, right? That comes after building a foundational connection to myself. For me, those of you who know my story know that I was completely dissociated for a very long time, meaning I wasn't connected to my physical body, so I couldn't hear its needs in any given moment. I wasn't connected really, nor did I know what to do with my emotions, my emotional, my energetic body. I was more or less, I was one of those people who learned from the book maybe how to teach others, and when it came to my emotions, you know, I really, really struggled, so For me, and in my healing journey, like a lot of us need to do, I took a lot of the steps to rebuild that balance, to learn how to be conscious, to learn how to connect with my body, to sift through and differentiate the different signals. So it didn't come overnight. However, now I'm at a connected enough place that I can start to make sense of the feelings that I'm having, whether or not they're in my physical body or in my emotional body. So again, I know I'm not giving specifics as you do the work, you, you tend to fall into that connection. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're all looking for. Most of us are looking to find our way back home, to figure out what choices make sense for us. And we live in a world where there's endless opinions and there's endless information now and there's endless tools. And now I think we're all tasked with the individual you know, responsibility to find our way, to find the way into the tools and, and, and what works for us. Um, to empower ourselves.
0: All right. So once you've, let's say you've observed the patterns, how do you start identifying that it's linked to childhood trauma? Um, And then also even just childhood trauma, I heard you talking about like, it isn't even just like the super dramatic, massive things that happen Mm -hmm. in life, right? Like, obviously extremely horrific, sexual abuse, things like that. But I've even heard you talk about just certain things that your parents have said to you that created a certain belief system in you that you took into adulthood. So can you talk to me about that, break it down, and then how do we start assessing that it started from childhood in order for us to unwind it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and so the the study that you quoted, you know, as the intro here, I think it happened in the 90s-ish, at that time, the way trauma was defined was in those, it, it's in the field referred to as big T, right? The instances of abuse, physical, emotional, sexual, neglect. Um, and there was kind of, I think, seven, seven uh, questions and you get a score based on how many yeses you have. This is amazing. We need this in the field. This was the first time, as surprising as it might be for so many people, that it took till the 90s for us to say, hey... These things that happen in childhood carry these negative effects into adulthood. So that's we're really grateful on the one hand that we finally have this documented. However, I think that that definition is, is much more limited than can be helpful for most of us. Right. And I'm one of those people, because when I meet something like the ACEs scale or when I learned about PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, which is typically the diagnosis that goes along with checking those boxes on the ACEs scale, I think I score maybe a one, um, which is very, very low. It's not one of the higher numbers. So someone like myself, and I think there's a lot of us, especially in the self-healers community, that was really confusing to me because I see that I'm not scoring high enough to really necessitate that I should be struggling in any way. And I, I know for a very long time, I mean, I have extensive experience. I worked with in substance um, recovery facilities. I've worked with individuals on the spectrum, right? So I... I have worked with people who scored very high on the ACEs, yet I had a there was a striking similarity that I would see in the patterns that I was living, whether or not they're just in my day-to-day, in my thoughts, in the way I felt, definitely in my relationships. And I would see the same patterns in those who were scoring really high on the ACEs. So for me, for a very long time, I had a hard time making sense of what the hell was wrong with me? Do you think it
0: invalidated you then?
2: I mean, I think a lot of us would feel like something's broken or something's wrong or I'll just exclude it. And maybe there's no language, put it that way, for what's going on with me. And the danger there or the risk there is that we do tend to assign these then global, not so positive evaluations. I'm broken. Mm -hmm. I just can't achieve that thing. That's not meant for me. I'm stuck with these symptoms for my lifetime, right? That's sort of generalized language the more you repeat that to yourself the more you become stuck so a big part of my work you'll hear what I talk about and i and i've coined it or i, or I refer to it i should say as spiritual trauma all of the other ways that i believe and one of the major reasons i call myself a holistic psychologist now is cuz i believe there's an interconnection between our bodies our minds and i believe a soul that indescribable thing that makes us human that none of us can really put our finger on, though I feel like in increasing numbers, we're all kind of resonating more and more with that. Um, and in that area, I believe is where a lot of trauma occurs. So when our young soul comes to our family of origin, whatever that might look like and whatever you know, tucked in country of the world that is, I believe quite universally, all of our souls as humans seek three things, to be seen, to be heard, And to have the space to just express as is. And I think that's the area where a lot of us, you know, weren't born in environments that allowed that space. Didn't had an accumulation of experiences where we didn't feel seen. We didn't feel heard. We didn't feel our reality was validated. And then again, we stored those in our subconscious and we continue to repeat those patterns. And it can cause a lot of the same symptomology of dissociation, of medication and numbing with all of the ways that we do that. All of the ways we cope, in my opinion, often are born out of those very early spiritual wounds. So I'm a very big advocate for expanding definitions of trauma, for understanding, you know, that you might not be checking the boxes of the big traditional things that you, you thought, you know, could cause you to continue to struggle in ways that you still might be struggling based on those past experiences. Mm-hmm. And so just something else I like to offer. Because if you're like me, I have very limited memories of my childhood. I can't close my eyes and like kind of review like a movie, my past. So to speak to your question of how do I know if it's based in my childhood or not? When I speak about my lack of memory, I do get asked a lot. What if I don't have memory? What if I can't see the moment in time in my past or know that that pattern originated there? I don't believe you have to. Because I believe your conditioned behaviors now are a reflection of that. So the question you really want to ask yourself isn't where did it come from and do I need to know where it came from to unpack it? It's how is this serving me now? And if it's no longer serving me, now I have other tools that I can begin to make choices to begin to use and develop new habits.
0: All right. So how did you then identify? Because you said, I just thought I had a bad memory. And I even heard you say in an interview that... You just assume that like, oh, people in your family's got Alzheimer's. That's maybe just mm-hmm. you. But in researching, going deep in yourself, you started to realize, actually, no, that was just your, um, I don't know if you use this word, but kind of like a survival mechanism mm-hmm. to just forget mm-hmm. the past. So how did you even break that down so that other, and I understand like it's not a one for maybe. one, but just so that people can start to notice, oh yeah, I actually thought that about myself, huh? Based on what she just said, maybe this isn 't just me, maybe this is something that i 've developed, and I really need to look at that
2: yeah, I think anything anytime we see ourselves repetitive okay right that especially in situations, and I know we all can identify those where whatever we 're doing in that repetitive fashion isn 't translating to mm. the results that we want right e- if each time this, this this conversation comes up and you know I react in, in one particular way and I get this reaction or repercussion, if you will, and that doesn't work for me yet, I can't stop. That's usually an indicator that we're kind of stuck in, in that autopilot. So for me, it wasn't an aha light bulb moment. For me, it was very gradual. It was beginning to use different tools. So for me, it was simply realizing how unconscious I was. Oh, consciousness. Great. Okay. So I've learned what I, I first learned. What does it mean to be conscious? Okay. Being conscious means being fully present, being in a moment, having my senses activated. Okay. First question I ask myself, how how often are you in that state during your day? And my first answer was I'm not. So now I know I don't really know what consciousness is like. So until I begin to practice that new habit and settle into now a more conscious life, now by contrast, I can understand consciousness versus unconsciousness. So a lot of us have to begin to action, I guess is the way I wanna simply answer this, Mm. to break those habits, to give ourselves new lived experiences, to be able to understand, right, which was that remnant of the past and which is the future that I choose to walk toward. Mm.
0: Wow, so when you say senses, do you literally sit there and go, all right, what am I hearing? Yes. Let's tune into my hearing sense. What am I smelling? Let me
2: tune into that. Like, do you kind of just take it one by one and just really? Yeah, absolutely. So Mm. listeners who don't, you know, yet know kind of how conscious or unconscious they are throughout their day, we all walk around with cell phones. Best suggestion, just set an alarm on your phone for random times throughout your day. So you might not even remember by the time the alarm goes off. Mm. And when that alarm goes off and you, oh, my alarm's going off first ask yourself, where was my attention? Where's my attention right now that, you know, I hear this thing and now I might zap back in to the current moment. Where was it? Was I worrying about the argument that I had with my partner in the morning? Was I maybe worrying about what's happening tomorrow? Was I like me somewhere, somewhere else, but I don't really know where I was. Mm -hmm. And then when I do identify that I was somewhere else, as a lot of us will, using your senses, doing exactly like you said, they can be incredibly what we call grounding. Mm. Because when I'm activating my senses, I've now removed my attention from wherever else it was, and I've brought it back into my physical body. Mm. Entering the present moment, activating the prefrontal cortex and actually different part of our brain from that subconscious that was probably calling the shots until you tuned in firing that up. We know that neurons that fire together wire together, right? So we're almost giving ourselves some mental training and then making it easier to access that conscious state in the future. So yeah, using your senses, ask yourself, I'm touching a nice pillow right here, right? I'm touching, I'm smelling, I'm feeling, and now I'm conscious. A lot of us probably will shift right out of that consciousness very quickly if we're used to being in that unconscious autopilot, which is why I say it's a practice, we have to over time gradually every chance we can make that choice when we notice oh i'm somewhere else to come back here i know that every time you're doing that you're helping your brain to make that your more easy to access stage i love that i mean it's so
0: tactical and i'm such a huge fan of tactic you know tactical advice because we can get lost in our emotions in the moment so having that is very extremely powerful um I now really, really want to talk about trauma bonds, what they are, how they show up. And I hear it so often, right? That it's it's the bonds that they have with people, that people, whether they can't find a partner or um, find a partner, but they're not happy with like, Please share your wisdom.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the reason why we're always, I think I'm always talking and people really resonate with the concept of trauma bond, Lisa, is because we, we're interpersonal creatures. We, we need other humans. Um, a lot of times I do see my work being misinterpreted when people believe that when I speak the concepts of self-healing, that I'm, I'm part of that message is on an island away from other people. And I just want to clarify, self-healing means gaining the support supportive relationships around you, learning how to be in your authentic self and be connected authentically with others, because we need others. We all need other humans. And where our trauma bond conditioning began was from those earliest of humans, it was for many of us, the caretakers. Humans I believe might be the only species that is in a state of complete and utter dependency. Meaning when a human infant is born, it Mm. cannot live on Mm -hmm. without another, at least one other entity (laughs) caring Mm -hmm. for its, here those words come again, physical, emotional, and spiritual needs. Most other mammals, right, can care for themselves if they're a certain, you know, age of gestation they can live on. We cannot. We are completely in a state of awe in a sense when we're just infants. We are learning, we are absorbing. Our brain waves are actually firing in a particular um, kind of frequency that allows us to take in everything around us. Mm -hmm. We're learning, essentially. And so what we're learning is how all of those needs happen in our body and how to get them met. And because relationships are so important, we began to enter into dynamics with the people around us, specifically Mm -hmm. to keep ourselves connected and safe so that we can ensure that our next set of physical needs get met, our next set of emotional needs get met, and that we are seen, heard, and expressed to the best of our ability. So now we begin to form bonds, you know, kind of arrangements with our caregivers. And those are the ways that we can replicate showing up into adulthood. So those of us who didn't have that space to self express, to just be who we are who maybe heard, heard things like tone down this aspect of yourself, or maybe you had a mother who shied away when you were sad because they themselves can't handle sadness in themselves. They probably weren't taught how to cope either. Maybe you have a parent whose you know spirit is completely constricted. They're not self-expressed because they're trudging along in survival mode, caring for their family. That parent might have a hard time holding space, very well-intentioned parent, don't get me wrong, might have a hard time holding space for your spirit and its self-expression. So before we know it, because that bond is so important, we begin to sacrifice those parts of ourselves. We become the helper, the caretaker, the fixer. We learn how to continue to show up in that relationship to get our needs met to the best of our ability. We're very adaptive, so we begin to make those adaptations. We maybe begin to assume those roles, and then that becomes a framework for how we relate to others. Then before we know it, we're in school and we have little peers, and then this is where the patterning starts, right? We become then that little helper student in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And then before we know it, flash forward, right? We're the helper adult, and we continue to show up in these very constricted or restricted ways continuing to keep ourselves from that full self-expression, maybe even continuing to do our own needs a disservice, maybe putting other people's needs before our Mm -hmm. own. And that's what trauma bonding is. Essentially, simply, it's those repeated patterns of relating to others specifically that were formed in childhood that, for the most part, aren't allowing us to fully express all of our needs.